ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಿದ್ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯತೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವ ಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತನಃಪುನ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇರಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದವಿಭಾಗಿಣೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಕರ್ಮಣ್ಯಕರ್ಮಯ ಪಶ್ಯೇದ ಅಕರ್ಮಣಿ ಚರ್ಮಯ ಸಬುದ್ಧಿಮನ್ ಮನುಷ್ಯೇಶೋ ಸಂಯುಕ್ತ ಕೃತ್ಸ್ನಕರ್ಮಕೃತ್ಯೇಸಂಭಾ ಕಾಮಸಂಕಲ್ಪವರ್ಜಿತಾಗ್ನಿದಕ್ಧಕರ್ಮಾಹು ಪಂಡಿತ ಬುಧಾಕರ್ಮಫಲಾಸಂಗಂ ನಿತ್ಯತೃಪ್ತೋ ನಿರಾಶ್ರಯ ಕರ್ಮಣ್ಯಭಿಪ್ರವೃತ್ತೋಪಿ ನೈವ ಕಿಂಚಿತ್ ಕರೋತಿ ಸಹ ಯಾರಂಭಸಂಕಲ್ಪವರ್ಜಿತಃ ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬಿಂಗ್ ಅ ವೈಸ್ ಪರ್ಸನ್ Lord Krishna says that all his actions are devoid of any desire or any need to change or any need to be different from what he is. <coughs> Sankalpa is a primary need or a primary resolve or primary thought of trying to become different from what I am because I am not satisfied with what I am and therefore a need to become different from what I am. <coughs> that gives rise to different desires and that gives rise to different actions. Here actions are devoid of any desire to change oneself or become better than what one is because it is free from need to be different. In short, the wise person sees himself as adequate which is of course the nature of self nature of atma or self is adequacy the ignorant person sees the adequate self as inadequate and suffers the only difference is wise person knows the self is adequate and therefore there is no need to change oneself there is no need to become different from what one is and therefore mind is completely at poise in fact such a person may not do anything at all also it's quite possible so what a person does what a wise person does or does not do 
is basically decided by destiny rather than by himself. Because he has no agenda, he has no demand. And then his actions are all innocent, meaning that there is no, like, a poison from whom the fangs are removed, and therefore he's only a snake from whom the, the poison the fangs are removed. He just looks like a snake with no, you know, no poison, with no stinging capacity or no hurting capacity. So also actions are performed. There is no binding element at all. Because the desire and the notion of smallness are the binding factors. They are no more there. Nitchaktva karma phala sangam. When you perform action, there is no asakti, there is no deep attachment for karma phala or the outcome of an action. He is quite content doing what is to be done. And he accepts whatever the outcome is, he lets God decide what the outcome will be. Because he does not judge himself by the outcome. He is no complex that I am a successful or failure or whatever it is. He doesn't have any insistence that I must bring about this change, that I must accomplish this thing. There is no such demand at all. The person is totally free from demand from himself. Usually, otherwise, we make a demand upon our own self that I should do this, that I must achieve this, or whatever. That is the demand I place upon myself, and then, if through my action the demand is not fulfilled, then I judge myself a failure and blame myself. Or, if the demand is fulfilled, I congratulate myself and become proud of myself. <coughs> Both are binding factors. He does not judge himself as a failure or success, doesn't congratulate himself, doesn't blame himself. But Swamiji, how would that be? There's no blaming, no nothing, no congratulating, that would be very dull, no. His mind is free from rajas and his mind is sattvic, he is cheerful. He is content, happy with himself, happy with everything. However, there is no, as I said, no any deep attachment to the outcome of an action. Even while performing action also, there is no deep attachment or a sense, a strong sense of, I am doing something. He recognizes that things are being done. I am an instrument and through me things are being done. And he allows the destiny or he allows nature or he allows Ishvara in fact to function through him. So this is the sign of freedom. The freedom is there is no demand for oneself, no demand from anything, no demand that just because I perform an action that it must yield a certain outcome, or just because outcome is something therefore I am good or I am bad, no, connect, no, no connection. What is meant by asakti is attachment, identifying, no identification, <coughs> either with the karma or with karma phala. <coughs> Nitya trupta because is ever content. There is a total peace with himself, a total acceptance of satisfaction with oneself, nitya trupta. Because the self is of nature of trupti or contentment or happiness and therefore abiding in happiness which is, which is spontaneous, nirashraya therefore free from dependence upon anything. He does not depend upon anything for his happiness, comfort, well-being because he is self-sufficient in his happiness and comfort and well-being and therefore he is not dependent upon anything. Karmani abhi pravuttopi And this person, even though he may appear to be fully engaged in various activities from the standpoint of the onlookers, nevakin jit karodisaha From his own standpoint, he does not do anything. So there is no stress of doing things. There is no burden of doing things. It is our concern and anxiety about the result of the action. What will happen? Will I achieve what I want or not? Will the action bring about the desired outcome or not? That anxiety causes a lot of stress. And while performing action, I take an undue responsibility upon myself, that is, I am performing action. Not recognizing that I am one of the things and that, and so 
too much responsibility. Also causes stress and the need to have a certain outcome also causes stress. A wise person is free from all stresses. And so in the fifth chapter we said, Sarva Karmani Manasa Sanyasyaste Sukhamvashi Navadware Uredehi Naivukuruman Nakarin. The wise person who is complete mastery over himself because he's together as a person, yogi. His mind, his body, his sense organs, all of these are very favorable to him. And therefore, enjoying complete harmony with himself, he dwells happily in the city of nine gates, which is his body, which is his complex. He neither doing anything, nor making anybody do. Neither himself doing anything, nor prompting somebody else to do. He just dwells, he lives. He asks Sukhamaste, he lives happily. <coughs> continuing the further, uh, for continuing this, again, description of the wise person. In the verse 21. Nirashi riyata chittatma Yakta Sarva Parigraha Shari Ram Kevalam Karma Kurvanap Nautical Bisham Nirashi Free of any expectation. Asha means expectation. Asham is expectation or desire. Nirashihi, free from any expectation, free from any desire. So we find this again and again mentioned. Desire is a sign of bondage. Desire is a sign of limitation. As I said, it's a sign of need which comes from one's own inadequacy. However, desire is looked upon as the expression of of inadequacy. So freedom from desire means that the person has discovered adequacy with one's own self. <coughs> that is what is meant. Therefore, they talk about two kinds of desires, what they call binding desire and non-binding desire. So there, there is hunger and therefore there may be a desire for appeasing hunger. There may be thirst and therefore a desire for quenching thirst. These kind of desires are arising from the natural needs of the body. And those desires are not binding desire in as much as there is no demand that I must own a certain kind of food or a certain kind of drink or whatever. Even there also he does not desire later on to be so told in fact. That also takes care of itself. A wise person doesn't even demand that he must be fed, it takes care of itself. <coughs> Nirashi Devar, free from any demand, put it this way. Asa means a demand, he does not make any demand upon any, anybody. He does not make any demand upon the world. Though the world is obliged to fulfill his needs, no such demand. Meaning that he gives total freedom to the world to be what it is. Otherwise we generally have some expectations of people around us that this is what they should do, at least this is what you should have done, this is what you should have said, this is natural. <coughs> and when those expectations are not met with, then we get disappointed or hurt or unhappy also. But here, so our Swamiji says that to the extent that you give freedom to the world, to that extent you can enjoy freedom. But because I do not enjoy freedom within me, therefore I do not grant freedom to the world also. Because I'm, I don't enjoy that freedom. And therefore I bind other people also by expectations and demands. <coughs> 
It would be interesting to watch these things in the mind. Let us become familiar with our mind. Let us become familiar with various expectations that we have. Otherwise we act in a very mechanical manner. The expectations arise from the mind and we, we impose our expectations or demands upon others. And when they are not met with, then we become disappointed, then there is hurt. This is a usual thing going on all the time. So it is necessary for us to become aware. I'm not saying that give up all expectations or demands. At least let us know what the expectations or demands are. And let us also observe what those expectations or demands are doing to me. I don't say give them up. But recognize that there are expectations or demands that I have upon the world around me. And closer the people are to me, more expectations or demands are naturally. And more possibility of not, they are not fulfilling my demands. And more possibility of my being hurt or unhappy. So, let us observe our mind. And how habitually it has expectations, how habitually it makes demands upon others. And therefore creates for itself the condition of being disappointed or being unhappy. Even if I am ignorant, even if I am not an enlightened person, still I have the freedom to understand my expectations and drop them. By reminding myself, give them the freedom, accept them as they are, respect them as they are. Accept in a situation when you have a certain responsibility, then expectations are understandable. Parents, for example, consider it their responsibility to raise children, to guide them, and therefore they want their children to do certain things and therefore they expect them to do, I would accept these expectations. So when we have responsibility to fulfill, then expectations are natural for those who are involved in fulfilling my response. Like, you may be a group leader and you have a certain target to meet. And so, people who are working in the group, you may have expectations of what they should do. That is okay. We are talking about expectation for our personal agenda. That's the expectation. Expectation for the well-being of children, expectation for our organization, expectation for our group. Okay. But by expectation we mean expectation to fulfill my ego, expectation to satisfy my likes and dislikes. That's what we mean by expectation. And even if you have expectation from your children, from your members of group, from other people, because it is your place to expect things from them and make them do things, then also, at least we have in our own mind understand that there is always a possibility that my expectation may not be fulfilled and that I should be internally be prepared for that. If the situation requires that I should make demands upon other people, I may make. But in my mind, being ready for a situation that my demand may not be met with, it's possible. So that I don't get frustrated, <clears throat> I don't get angry. Rather than making demands upon people, we should help them to try to, you know, fulfill those demands simply not make demand but also create condition. Anyway, that's all besides the point. But I said, Nirashi, the wise person is totally free from any expectations or any demands of anybody. Which means that he gives freedom to everybody. Which means that he accepts everybody as they are. He respects them or loves them, loves everybody as they are. Usually we love, but conditionally. As long as they live up to their own, ex ex my expectations so long, they can remain the object of my love. Otherwise, I don't care. 
So we do, we love, but it's a conditional love, very often. This one has nirashi, no expectation, no demand, unconditional acceptance, unconditional love. Big thing, huge thing. So from this view to learn, that as we grow, we should try to let go of these demands and conditions as much as we can. It will not be possible to give up all conditions or expectations when you are living life in the, you know, in the midst of people. But at least don't declare that you don't expect, you know. Otherwise when people come to know that, hey, you don't expect anything, then they, I think they find it very convenient. So don't say it out, outwardly, in your own mind. Even if outwardly you make expectations, in your own mind you provide for a condition when expectation is not met with. Keep a provision. Suppose it is not, then what will happen to me? Will I get devastated? Will I be disappointed? Will I be mad? So prepare the mind that this expectation may not be met with. Mind be ready. Calm down and and maintain your calmness. That's called equanimity of the mind. Samatvam yogaha uchyate. Samatvam maintaining equanimity. Sameness. That our expectation is not met with. That also is a reality of life, okay? So without being frustrated, without being disappointed, and without blaming, without being angry, then we can gracefully accept it. So Nirasi, the wise person of course, has no demands of anybody and therefore nobody can disappoint him. Yata Chittatma, one who, Yata means one who has control over, or one who has gained mastery over his Chitta, meaning over his mind, Atma means body. So one who enjoys a complete mastery or a complete control over his mind-body complex. Meaning that his mind is totally favorable to him, available to him. There is an alignment between the mind, intellect and the mind. Between the thoughts and emotions. The emotional faculty also is quite in alignment with the thinking faculty which has its values. And therefore, whatever wisdom is there in the intellect, it flows through the emotional faculty, through its personality also. Otherwise, we have lots of wisdom in our mind, intellect. But when the mind does not cooperate then, that wisdom does not manifest in our life. If the mind is impulsive, it gets angry, it becomes jealous, it becomes whatever, frustrated, then even though we may have a lot of wisdom, it does not become available, it does not become manifest. So it is not enough that we learn and then we know things, it is necessary that that knowledge, that understanding, those values, all of these should find their expression in my life. And for that, the mind, which is the medium through which we express, that also should be, also should be available, should be favorable. They call it prasada, the mind should be pleased with me. Here, the wise person's personality is totally pleased. He enjoys that tranquility of mind. He enjoys also the tranquility of the intellect, tranquility of the sense organs, and never the chitta-atma. The, in, in Karma Yoga discussion, the fifth chapter will say, yoga-yukto vishuddha-atma vijita-atma jitendriya. When a person lives a life of yoga, what is meant by life of yoga is a commitment to become free from the impulses of likes and dislikes. Then we accept that likes and dislikes are there, but I have a commitment to progressively become free from their impact. That's what is Karma Yoga. Therefore, I do not act out of my Raghadveshas. But I do what is right, whether I like, whether my mind likes it or not, 
I do what is right. I do something not because I like it, but because it is right. And I do not do something not because I do not like it, because it is not right. So commitment to do what is right and avoid what is not right, whether my mind likes it or not. Therefore, that commitment will enable me to slowly and slowly subdue my likes and dislikes. As the mind becomes free from the impulses of likes and dislikes, it calms down. It becomes favorable to me. I gain a control or mastery over my mind. Yoga Yukta, Vishuddhatma, first of all the mind becomes clean or pure, meaning becomes free from likes and dislikes, the impulses. Vijitatma, it becomes more and more available to me, more and more favorable to me. I gain a greater and greater mastery over that. Jitendriya, to the extent the mind becomes at peace, to that extent the sense organs also, you know, gain that peace. Because sense organs are always prompted by the mind. The mind prompts them to do things. When mind calms down, the organs of action, the organs of perception also calm down. And thus, there is a total harmony within himself. So that's called yoga. A yogi is a person who enjoys a total harmony within himself. Nirashihi, yata chittatma, when his mind is true, ashihi, meaning expectations from demands, from likes and dislikes. Therefore, the intellect, the mind, sense organs, all of them become tranquil, and therefore, he enjoys a mastery over his personality. Chakta sarva parigraha. One who is given up all possessions, who doesn't possess anything, at least does not possess any means of entertainment or means of pleasure, put it this way. He no more needs to keep himself with himself any means of entertainment because he does not need to entertain his mind. He himself is a source of entertainment. When he himself is a source of happiness, he does not require anything to become happy. Therefore, he doesn't need any possessions to keep himself cheerful, to keep himself in good mood or something, you know. He doesn't need that. That is called freedom. Chattasaraparigraha, really, literally it means that he has no possession at all. A renunciate has no possession. He has no home. He has no pantry. He has nothing. Idly, wandering monk, he, he, you know, he sleeps or lies down wherever the place is available. Say Shankaracharya, Suramandira Tarumula Nivasaha, Sayyabhutalam Ajanam Vasaha, Saraparigraha Bhogatyagaha, Kasya Sukham Karoti Viragaha. Describing a wise person like that, say Shankaracharyaji, Suramandira Taru Mula Nivasaha, he dwells under a tree in a temple courtyard. Sayyabhudalam, the earth is his bed, mattress. Ajanam Vasaha, some, uh, the, the skin of an animal which may be available, that becomes his, uh, his, his garment. Sarva-parigraha-bhogatyagaha One who is given up all means, all possessions and all means of entertainment or pleasure. This called vairagya. Kasya sukham nakaroti viragaha. Viraga or dispassion like this, it doesn't become, it doesn't give, give happiness to him. Meaning that he is happy. This is because of this vairagya. <coughs> In short, all of these are expressions of self-sufficiency. I need to possess things and I need to possess many things. More insecure I am, more insufficient I feel, more I need to possess and keep with me to feel secure and comfortable. So very often possessions are meant for me to feel a sense of security. Or possessions are meant because of many needs that I have to fulfill. Yakta Sarva Parigraha. He is a person 
who is who has no possessions at all nothing to own except that except the minimum things that he requires just to sustain his body and so he requires a pair of uh, of uh, what do you call loin cloth maybe a pair of sandals maybe a water pot perhaps a blanket maybe an umbrella that's the all that's what he would have no more possession than that what you require the minimum that you require to sustain a body that's all an ideal picture but then you know there are this is this is how the the renunciates are described takta sarvaparigraha what does he do he doesn't do anything shariram kevalam karma kurvan he merely does what is required to sustain his body nothing more so earlier verse described a wise person who is fully engaged in action this verse describes a wise person who does not seem to do anything the earlier one was a great contributor to the society this one does not contribute anything shariram kevalam karma kurvan only performing actions that are required to sustain his body and ever he may every day go out for begging arms bhiksha that's all that he may do he is asked to do that shudhyadishya chikitsyatam pratidinam bhikshu shudam bhujyatam the trudha or hunger is a recurring disease and therefore hunger must be appeased by seeking the arms or bhiksha every day once a day not four times a day once a day call it breakfast call it brunch call it lunch is all one meal and dinner so 10 o'clock these mahatmas go for bhiksha get their food come back next day shariram kevalam karma kurvan the only activity that he seems to perform is for sustaining his body nothing more than that then somebody may ask he is not fulfilling a responsibility you said swami ji that everybody is supposed to fulfill the responsibility they must become contributors they must you know return to the society to the world he is not doing anything like that you know lord krishna also said that a person who keeps on receiving the benefits and does not return is a thief thief is a sinner sinner means that he is failing to perform his duty so this wise person who does not seem to contribute at all other than simply taking care of his body is not failing in his duty and by and therefore is he not committing a sin sin means is he not acquiring papa so here lord krishna says na apnodi kalbisham even though he only does what is needed to sustain his body and does not do anything else doesn't serve the society does not perform any worship doesn't do anything that means he is not performing his prescribed duties which everybody is supposed to do every householder is is supposed to perform daily duties in terms of worshiping gods worshiping sages worshiping ancestors taking care of the needy people in human you know and the, the human being needy and also taking care of the animals and plants and birds around he is supposed to do all this he doesn't do anything is he failing in his duty lord krishna says no says no na apno dikilvisham he does not incur any sin meaning does not is not offending anybody he is not failing in his duty in short he is free from duty he has no duty to perform so when you you take a, you take to life of renunciation by by vidhi or by a particular procedure a person takes to a life of renunciation by going through a certain ritual wherein he declares that i have no more any duties 
<coughs> so he formally gives up all the duties. But here is a wise person who is really free from duty in the real sense. Because when is the duty? Only when you are claiming something from the world, then alone you have something to return. He does not claim anything and therefore he doesn't have to return anything also. <coughs> therefore you find a wise person not doing anything. Just sitting whole day, lying down, or just wandering, walking, doing nothing. Don't think that a useless person is not meeting with responsibilities. Lord Krishna says that his very presence, his very being, fulfill all duty. Later on, Lord Krishna will describe how his very being, how his very knowledge is equal to performing all the daily rituals. So, his knowledge itself will be described as yajna, subsequently in the verse 24. Even though he does not appear to participate, does not appear to contribute, he does not incur any sin, first of all, because he has no demand and therefore there is no need to give back, at the same time his very presence is enough to bless the world. If he does something, it's icing on the cake. Doesn't do something, still the cake is there because his very presence is a blessing. This kind of person is permitted to go out to the society and beg his arms. So Bhiksha is permitted because he does not have any possession of his own and therefore he cannot cook, he doesn't earn money, he has no resources, he can't buy any grocery, and he has no means of cooking or anything, and therefore, for his minimum sustenance also, he is totally dependent upon the society. Actually, begging is not allowed formally. Begging is not permitted by law. This person is permitted to beg. And the society also supports a person like that. In fact, the members of society consider their privilege. When someone like this comes before their door asking for arms, they feel very privileged and to, to give something then. <clears throat> so in the next verse, Lord Krishna suggests that this person may go out for bhiksha in order for the minimum sustenance of his body. <clears throat> because the verse 21 said, that he performs only that action or activity which is required for sustaining his body. And one of those activities is going and asking for a picture. <clears throat> and what kind of attitude does he have even when he is begging arms? So verse 22 tells us, Yadruchalavasantushtaha <clears throat> Dvandvatito vimatsaraha Samasiddhava siddhauca Krutvapina nibadhyate What is the attitude towards the food that comes by begging, called bhiksha? So, Mahatmas always go for bhiksha. So, when you invite a sannyasi, you don't say, you don't invite him for dinner or lunch, you invite him for bhiksha, you know. Because, of course, those days they used to go themselves. The idea is that these persons are permitted to go to the community, present themselves before a household and announce Bhaudivikshan Dehi Oh Mother, please give me food. So he announces himself, Narayan Hari, whatever, there are different kind of, you know. So somebody says, Narayan Hari, then the, then the woman inside knows that he is somebody who has come for Bhikshan. And 
he should go to at the most five or seven houses, no more than that. <coughs> Maximum five or seven houses, he should go and no more than that. It is possible that he may get some food, he may not get food, he may get adequate, he may not get adequate, depends on his luck. And you should not go to the same place again and again and again, go to different places and different communities. So there are some Mahatmas who are, who do not even go for bhiksha. They just lie, they are lying there and sitting and remaining where they are. There are two, there are two, two kinds of Mahatmas, or two kinds of bhiksha. One is called Ajagari bhiksha. Like an Ajagar, like a python. A python does not go anywhere. The food comes to python. You know, python is a huge animal. And it has a huge mouth. And animals walk into that. His spray walks into that. That's a python. He doesn't go any place. Some sadhus are like python. They don't go anywhere. If the food comes to them, they eat. Doesn't come? Okay. That's one style. Other style is that of a honeybee. A honeybee goes to several flowers and takes a little honey. Doesn't take all honey from one flower, but picks up little honey from different flowers. So also, some sadhus are like this honeybee. They go to different households and take little. Leaving for other sadhus also. And leaving for the householders also. That's called Madhukari Bhiksha. Ajagari Bhiksha and Madhukari Bhiksha. Like an Ajagara, like a python or like a honeybee. <coughs> but in any case, Yadrucha Lava Santushtaha. Santushtaha, he is quite satisfied or content with Lava, with whatever comes, Yadrucha by Ishwara's grace. Yadrucha, by chance. Yadrucha can be by chance, by destiny, or by the desire of God. So whatever comes by his desire, he accepts. He presents himself, whatever comes, he accepts. Santushta. And he is quite satisfied with what he gets. Meaning that he has surrendered himself, or he has submitted himself totally in the hands of destiny. He does not have any will of his own or demand of his own. He has submitted himself at the altar of destiny and destiny takes care of himself. <clears throat> like a dry leaf which falls from a tree and the wind carries that leaf wherever it is, so also the, the wind of prarabdha, the beauty of prarabdha of destiny takes this person wherever it does and he has completely surrendered himself. He does not exercise any free will at all. Free will is only for people who are needy. In as much as he is free from need, therefore he is free from the need to exercise free will. You need to exercise free will as long as there is something to be accomplished. But here is Krishna Karmakut. He is the one who has accomplished whatever needed to be accomplished in his life. And therefore, he has become free from need to exercise free will. So whatever destiny brings to him, he is quite happy. One who is not affected by dvandva or past opposites. See, he has very little contact with the world anyway. But whatever little contact he has, there also you can be met with the pairs of opposites such as heat and cold. Sometimes honor, sometimes dishonor also because everybody doesn't have the same respect for these people. Some people say, what are you doing? Why are you begging? You are a healthy person. Go and work, do this. So, it's not easy to go and ask for, for bhiksha. Not easy at all. Our swamis are different. When we go for bhiksha, it's all pre-planned. Not only that, but the hosts always inquire, what does the Swami like, what is what, everything they take care of. So this bhiksha is a luxury, that is not, that's not what is meant by bhiksha. You just 
present yourself uninvited before somebody's door and you do not know what kind of response you'll receive and what kind of food you will receive. Sometimes the response is respectful, sometimes it may not be respectful. Sometimes the householder may have something, sometimes they may not have anything also. Even though they are respectful, they don't have anything to offer to you. As there is a story about Adi Shankaracharya, when he was a young boy, studying in his gurukulam, studying the Vedas. At the age of three it is said that Shankaracharya was sent to gurukulam. At the age of seven it came back. So in between, these brahmacharis, they go for bhiksha also. So brahmacharis also go for bhiksha, sannyasis also go for bhiksha. Even Vanaprastha also may go for bhiksha sometimes. So he was going for bhiksha and he went to one house. He announced himself and, and a lady came out from the house and there were tears in her eyes because there was nothing in his house. There was nothing in the house to offer. And she was so sad, so unhappy and crying that look, this boy, this brahmachari has come before, you know, come, uninvited has come to bless me. And you can imagine how Shankaraja must be looking, you know. He must be looking like nothing but a devata. He's come to my house, I have nothing to offer. There were tears in his eyes. So this boy Shankaraja could recognize this. Mother, what's the matter? Why are you crying? Says, my child have nothing to offer. There was something in your house, just look. So she looked everywhere and found one dry amalaka fruit. The little fruit, you know, amalaka, it's called something, I don't remember what it's called in English, but then one dry, that's all she had, that's what she came and gave. There were tears in eyes of this little Shankaracharya also. He said that at that time, he prayed to Goddess Lakshmi. He uttered a stotra called Kanakadhara stotra. He, you know, spontaneously it was composed. And in response to the prayer, there was a shower of golden amalakas, you know. That's what he said. <clears throat> but anyway, sometimes somebody may not have anything to offer you. Whatever Ishwara decides, is okay. Is equally comfortable whether it's honor or dishonor, comfort or discomfort, pleasure, heat or cold. Pleasure pain is not there because he's content with himself. Meaning, whatever be the conditions around, is equally comfortable in whatever condition is there. Sometimes sleeping on the ground, sometimes sleeping in a mattress, sometimes riding on a horse, Sometimes dragging his feet. Sometimes in a palace, sometimes in a forest, wherever it is. Dundvati daha, one who is free from this impact of dvandva or the pairs of opposites. Meaning that he doesn't feel wonderful and he doesn't feel great because in a palace and feels miserable because in a forest. Not that he's great because he's lying, he's sleeping in a big mattress or otherwise be sleeping on the ground. It's the same thing. For the very simple reason that his mind is always absorbed in himself. What is around is immaterial to him. He does not judge himself based on how he's treated. He does not judge himself based on what he gets or does not get. Because his judgment is about himself, that I'm a complete being, Purnam whatever it is, is Purnam. As it is, is complete. Whether it's endeavor, whether it's heat or cold, pleasure or pain, comfort or discomfort, everything is complete. He does not see anything but completeness everywhere and ever. Dvindvatitaha, he is free from the influence or free from impact of any pairs of opposites. Vimatsaraha, free from matsarya. Matsarya means jealousy. Matsarya has many meanings, one of meaning is jealousy. That is, when I see somebody else's progress and I feel bad about it, there is burning in my heart because somebody is progressing. That's called jealousy. I cannot stand somebody's growth. I cannot stand somebody's progress. He doesn't have any master yet. They talk of these six-fold inner enemies. 
Kama, Krodha, Lobha, Moha, Mother and Matsarya. Kama is a craving. When not fulfilled, give rest to Krodha or anger. When fulfilled, give rest to Lobha or greed, you want more. Either anger or greed, whenever it fills up my mind, then moha, delusion, I, 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 I am no more in the, you know, I get infatuated by this impulse of anger or greed. Mother, mother means pride or arrogance. Because a person is deluded or is infatuated, he is this proud or arrogant. And when a person is proud or arrogant, then arises this jealousy because when you find somebody better than him, then there is jealousy. So, this is progressive. Kama, give rest to Krodha, Lobha, Moha, Mother, Matsarya. The last one is jealousy or envy. When he, when he says that he is free from Matsarya or jealousy, meaning that he is free from the earlier ones also, because there is no Kama, no Krodha, no Loha, no Moha, no Mother. Vimatsara, he has no pride, no hostility towards anybody, no enmity towards anybody, no pride, no envy, no jealousy. Because he sees everything as his own self. Where is the question of jealousy? Although he said here that he knows the self is actionless, but he knows his self is the self of all, and therefore he does not really see the world as different from himself, and therefore there is no question of jealousy or pride or anger. Nirvairaha, he doesn't have enmity towards anybody, free from the sense of enmity. Samasiddhavasiddhavacha, he is samaha, even-minded, with reference to Siddhi or Siddhi, success or failure. What success and what failure? He is no success and failure. He doesn't do anything. The only Siddhi and Siddhi is whether he gets his food or not. That's all that, you know, Samaha. Even-minded, whether he gets his food or does not get. That's all. That's only Vyavahara. That's only interaction he has with the world. Otherwise, no interaction. This is a typical person who is described in a sense. Not all, all, learn, all enlightened people are like that. They say there are people who are very active. There are others who are a little active. The others who are not active at all. It does not matter. The wisdom is not to be judged based on whether this person is doing action or not. And therefore Lord Krishna describes both kinds of people. There are those who are fully engaged in activity and there are those who don't seem to do anything. The only contact here with the world is he goes for begging bhiksha once a day, that's all. And then also is even minded whether he gets something or does not get. Krutva pinanibadhyade. He doesn't become bound even though performing action or not performing action. Krutva or akrutva. So whether he does or does not do, he doesn't get bound. Meaning that action does not bind him. Because Action never binds anyway. It is sense of doership that binds. It is attachment to the result that binds. He doesn't have, therefore, he is not bound whether he is performing action or not performing action. So are all descriptions of a free person. <clears throat> now next verse describes how he performs his actions. Now next verse describes a person who appears to fully engage in activities, so a wise person may be fully engaged in activities as well, then how does he function? The verse 23 tells us. Gatasangasya muktasya Jnana avasthita chetasaha Yajna yacharatah karma Samagram praviliyate Gata sangasya Sangha means attachment Gata, one for whom all attachment is gone away See, Gata sangasya <coughs> It's an interesting expression. The person 
from whom the sangha or attachment has gone away. Attachment has left him. Not that he has given up attachment, attachment is no more there. Gata sangha says the person who is totally free from any attachment. Meaning any demand. By attachment understand any demand. The demand that we make upon someone generally is an expression of attachment. When there is love without attachment, then there is giving without any demand. When there is love with attachment, then love also is accompanied with demand. And therefore, even when we love somebody, we do get disappointed by our object of love. We do get disappointed sometimes because they fail to fulfill our expectations. Which means that that love is accompanied with demand or expectation. That expectation part is called attachment. Otherwise it's love. But then love is polluted also by my demand or expectation. Gada Sangasya, this person has no Sangha, no attachment, meaning that he doesn't have any demand or expectation from anybody. He loves everybody. He offers himself to everybody without making any demand. From all of this we have to learn, as you say, we have to learn, first of all recognize how our mind always makes unspoken demands. And therefore there are little disappointments and hurts in every Vyavahara. In every interaction some little residual residue is left in terms of some, some disappointment because my expectations are not told quite met. Some little hurts, some disappointment, some frustration, some anger, some resentment, some jealousy. This person is free from all of that because no attachment, because no need. There is no need therefore, no demand, no expectation. And therefore, unconditional giving. This Mahatma gives unconditionally, with no conditions attached that because I read, therefore you must also do something in return, no expectation at all. As Lord Krishna will say in the 17th chapter, Dātabhyam idhyaddhānam diyate anupakharane. A gift is given to somebody because there is, a, there is an urge from within to give person feels that I should give because I have plenty. Anupakarane it is given to someone from whom there is no expectation of any return at all. So Gata Sangha says no Sangha, no attachment, no demand, no expectation. It is imagine a condition, how wonderful would it be? Can you imagine when a mind is totally free from any demand from any, from, you know, or expectation, that is, that means that you are enjoying the freedom. And by, by not making demands or expectations of others, we are also placing them in a very comfortable position. Because when we make demand upon somebody, then we are thrusting ourselves upon that person and creating a little discomfort in the person because person feels that, oh, now there is some expectation from me which I should fulfill. Or a sense of guilt may be there that I, I did not fulfill my expectation. So by placing demands or expectations upon others, we are making them uncomfortable. More demanding we are, more uncomfortable we make other people around us. Less demanding we are, more comfortable they are. It is more difficult to relate to a person who is a demanding person. It is easier to relate to a person who is less demanding and extremely easy to relate to one who is non-demanding. Because when a demand is made from made of me, that means that I am not acceptable as I am, I will be acceptable only when I do something or I do not do something. Whereas when demand is not made, I am comfortable that I am accepted here as I am. And everybody likes to be accepted as they are. Nobody likes that people should put conditions on them. Nobody likes that. You might put up with that. We might live with it, that's a different thing. But if we had our way, we would not like any conditions placed on us. 
So, Gata Sangasya is no nirashihi, no expectation, no demands, no attachment, meaning total acceptance. Don't think that it is without any feeling, it is total acceptance. <coughs> Muktasya is free, free from sense of ego, free from sense of individuality, free from a sense of separation from others, Muktasya. And when there is no ego or individuality, there is no dharma, no dharma, no pāpapunya. Why is so? Because jnana vastita chetasaha, whose mind is rooted in self-knowledge, whose mind is rooted in this knowledge that I am Brahman, or I am actionless, or I am limitless, I am complete, I am self-sufficient. This is what he always feels about himself. Nitya Trupta, always contented with himself. Not with an effort. That is how the nature is. In the effort, Jnana Vastita Chetasaha, because his Chetas or mind is abiding in the knowledge of self, therefore he spontaneously knows himself as of the nature of contentment or happiness or satisfaction. <coughs> He knows himself as full. In fact, knows himself as non-dual, as self of all. Yajnaya karma. A person like that performs action, yajnaya, in the spirit of yajna. Yajna means worshipping. His actions are automatically performed in the spirit of worship. Or as offering, as self-sacrifice. He is always ready to sacrifice himself, meaning he is always ready to offer himself, self-offering. Yajnaya acharatah karma. Every action is performed in the spirit of self-offering. He is just happy to offer himself. His life becomes a life of worship. His life becomes a life of worshipping Ishwara, because yajna also means Ishwara. Yajna way Vishnu, there is a statement which says, Yajna is another name for Vishnu. Vishnu means all-pervasive Lord. Yajna means for the sake of Vishnu, as an offering to Vishnu, as an offering to the all-pervasive Lord, who is the self of all, who is the creator of all, who is responsible for all activities, and who pervades everything, to him all his actions are automatically offered. Because he has no agenda for himself, therefore he automatically responds to the agenda of others. When I have no agenda of mine, then if action is still performed, it will be to fulfill somebody else's agenda. And therefore, this wise person automatically responds to the agenda or needs of others. And therefore, his actions are performed purely in the spirit of offering of sacrifice, of worship, yajnaya acharatah karma. So he's performing maybe a lot of activities. But will it not be that when he performs actions, they will be bound by action? Will it not be that his actions also will produce results and he'll be required to experience those results and thus be bound by them? So Lord Krishna says, no, samagram praviniyate, Whatever karma or action he performs, praviniyate, it gets completely resolved, it gets completely merged, it gets completely destroyed, let's say, along with the karma phala, samagram, so agrena saha, agrena means again along with karma phala, his karma along with karma phala, both of them resolve without producing any result at all. So Lord Krishna shows here how in spite of performing lots of activities, the person is not bound by the effect of karma or karma phala. So it is not karma or karma phala, not action or the result which really create an effect, it is only the attitude with which you perform that action, which is either binding or not binding. Action itself doesn't bind. Only when action is performed for my personal agenda, action is performed with some arrogance or pride, that is at the binding factors. Action is performed 
for sake of a result, for my personal gratification. It is that part that is binding, not action as such. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, how this person, in spite of performing actions, that his actions do not produce any result. That's amazing. An action must necessarily produce a reaction. But action performed by a wise person which is devoid of any ahankara, meaning any sense of individuality, and any demand of any reward produces no result at all. Samagram praviliyate. In short, no result for him, put it this way. Even if action produces a result, it goes to where it is done, you know. The action is performed purely for Ishvara or for the world, that's where it goes. He remains totally untainted by action or the result. <coughs> he remains free. In spite of performing action, he remains free. Because of lack of attachment to the action or the result. Samagram praviliyade. Therefore action or result does not, they do not bind him. <coughs> okay, we'll continue. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Balarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om.